enjoying an episode where the effective detectives are definitely not Tuvok. It's Feature, please. The Hateful Voyage of the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I am an unnecessary second half to an episode. Peter. Peter, this second half that we watched, what was it called? Season 7, Episode 17, Workforce, Part 2. Uh, I have to issue an apology uh, on behalf of both of us, really, to everyone out in the audience for yet another unforgivable sin. Joe, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm I'm not sure, actually. I, I, I usually listen to the episode a couple times as a consequence of our produ- the way we produce, but lately, because of life being a bit scattershot for us i've really only had time to run through the once uh so what did we fuck up i'm not gonna say this is as bad as me missing uh seven of nine's dad being ugh from salute your shorts but almost i'm watching workforce part two and and the credits you know the intro whatever special guest stars names pop and i see tom virtue and i'm like god that's a familiar name tom virtue i why do I know that name? Do you know why I know Tom Virtue? How do you know Tom Virtue? Because the labor boss in this episode, who is, geez, what is it? He's just named Supervisor, right? Like Seven of Nine's boss in this. Mm-hmm. That's fucking Howdy Doody. What? That's is... Baxter, man. What? They, 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 they recast him as an alien? barely an alien with minimal shit on his face yes the guy who was real shitty with the emh in like episode four or whatever about his uh, shoulder because he was doing so many sweet deadlifts and then later in twisted where he was doing push-ups or whatever i, I don't remember if it's a lieutenant baxter or it was a lieutenant he's a lieutenant yeah yeah I, for as many it was lieutenant walter baxter for as many times as this guy's been name dropped and it's not like he was under klingon makeup or uh i don't know some garbage bag or something it's just he, he's he got a fat lip and i couldn't recognize him and i am i'm very shamed. you know it's been years since we've seen howdy doody i think we can be forgiven for that i'm still dis i still suffered from discommendation over that Susie plaxton thing so you know we're, rightfully we're, so <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, all right, Susie Plaxton, the Duras sisters. Um, this is excusable because Tom Virtue does not have double D's with a boob window, which, you know, is an important reason to remember someone. So it's not quite as bad. But uh, after all yeah. those pain sticks, I will definitely never forget <laughs> which big booby Klingon I am referring to. But speaking of discommendations, I kind of want to give one this fucking episode going to give it a nice big one at the end <laughs> um that might be a little uncharitable because i think some of this episode is actually pretty good but uh it 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 left a sour taste in my mouth i'll say that i i get it from your intro that perhaps the fact that this was the two-parter uh syndrome from what we talked about last week is weighed heavily on your mind and this is the last two-parter i think we're going to get in voyager correct uh, until the finale yeah you know, we make a big deal out of this because it's a continuity thing, right? Voyager is traditionally terrible about indulging its own continuity and making reference to things that have happened previous in 
the season. So when you have a two-part episode, you are guaranteed that for at least those two episodes, there is going to be high continuity and a lot of callback opportunities to deep dive and all that other stuff. And uh, this is not, none of this is bad, you know, especially for Voyager. This is a good story and everything is good. It's just not great. And again, as I accused in part one, Another example of Voyager writing room just clawing at the walls for any chance to get these characters and tell a story other than the story that they were designed for, which is space people flying around in space doing Starfleet things. 1159, uh, Worst World, which is a minimal offender in that. This memorial, uh, they, they, they hate talking about space and spaceships. And now we're doing like temp staffing fantasy here. So did this need a two part? I don't think so. This episode literally starts as the last one left off, which is Chakotay at the end of the hallway trying to uh, escape from the uh, the police that uh, were after him after uh, Neelix scooped up Bolana. And he he does the old uh, break you know, something and make it look like he escaped by jumping off the balcony. But lo and behold, he was somehow hidden in plain sight, like Spider-Man <laughs> was able to, to get the drop on the cops after they round the corner. Uh, I will note that he uh, straight blasts one of these cops with the alien hand weapon that when it hit him, gave him a serious shoulder injury. So I'm pretty sure she got to kill the guy. <laughs> pretty sure he just fucking laid that guy out with a, with the with the uh, you know, alien Glock to the chest, and uh, he's dead now. Well, you know what? Shame on the police. Uh, he just shot them with their own gun, and had they been approaching him with stun settings, they would have just been merely stunned. So, the the bad. I don't know if these are. I don't. I don't think these are really bad guys, though. Yeah, the cops are actually portrayed as not being involved in what we will find out is a conspiracy of some of these aliens. Which is interesting. Uh, my kind of gut thought in the first episode was that the entire alien species, which uh, having shamed myself not recognizing uh, Baxter, a.k.a. Howdy Doody, I went through and actually took a pretty close look at the names and stuff in the Memory Alpha. This alien race is actually called the Quarians, which is lulzy because... That's the name Matt's, of the Mon Cal- Calamari's like client race or something like that in Star Wars. Yeah, and it's also pretty close to Mass Effect. And, you know, the the guys in Mass Effect, the Quarans there, uh, they also had a labor problem. And they solved their labor, labor problem with AI, which then promptly kicked their ass in Judgment Day. And... Uh, <laughs> Sent them out in the uh, the flotilla like a bunch of uh, interstellar vagabonds. Can I state how much I appreciated it that in Mass Effect 2, how hard it was to like Kumbaya, Legion, and Tally? Like that actually getting the two of them to stay loyal to you at the same time was very difficult. Everything about Mass Effect 2 is phenomenal. And... Uh, I don't know, maybe we need to do a refresher course on Mass Effect, but for all my dick sucking of Mass Effect 1, trying to get through it has been a real chore, and I think it's because I played it too many times, but I I am more receptive to your criticisms that it's just 
too much. It is. It is. They didn't figure out what that game series was at that point, and then they figured it out in two, and then in three, I think, is a great game. Just ends poorly. So and and to three's end as well. Uh, you know, you're talking about the hard decisions you have to make between the Quarrens and the Geth. You know, there's no happy ending at the end of three. If you take the the plain fact, which is the ending of three sucks and you can throw that in the trash and move on with it. There really isn't to its credit. There really isn't a, everything works out great for everybody and everyone's on the same page. Now, I think the closest you can get is like the symbiosis ending, which I don't know, gets everyone sick with like uh, a bored pixie dust. Basically. Yeah. Everyone has a, the matrix sheen on them. That is the Kumbaya ending, by the way. Like, that is the one where, oh, everyone's just people and robot at the same time now. Hooray forever. Everyone in the galaxy is united and uh, peace reigns forever. It is way, 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 way too much. Um, I, I found that ending to be horrific, though. It is like stripping everyone's, like, pers- you know, like individuality and kind of taking the choice away from them. And- you basically just assimilated the entire universe. Right? I mean, that's the entire galaxy, yeah. They're just assimilated. Everyone's just robot people. I love Mass Effect. What if they did a Netflix Mass Effect show? No. No, I saw what they did to Cowboy Bebop. Fuck off. (laughs) That looks rough. (laughs) You know why that looks rough? You know what? Like, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different complaints. Some of them I understand, some of them I don't. My number one complaint is John Cho is way too old. Dude, I was about to say, it looks like Grandpa. Yeah, he looks old and he moves old. Like they did, they had the trailer came out for that recently. I, yep. He just like moves like an eighty year old, and I'm like, this isn't cool. Like uh, Spike is supposed to be like Bruce Lee. Like he is supposed to be a good hand to hand fighter, very quick, very agile, very young in the face, young. And this John Cho is just ancient. He's art. He's older than us. Like, and we're old. It's not okay. <laughs> he's Asian and he looks old. You know how hard that is. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, speaking of the, what we have to actually talk about with the Star Trek, um, and speaking of Asians, uh, we cut up to Voyager where uh, Harry Kim and the ECH doctor with his red uniform on are attempting to escape from Quarren Patrol ships, continuing our the CG is good, you know, experience from the last time. Uh, we'll give a props again. CG continues to be good. And... Uh, the doctor is really flexing his nuts so hard right now. I have um, this in my notes as a uh, Kim continuing to ride bitch. Yes. And the doctor has, uh, of course, all of the tactical maneuvers of every starship captain ever because he's AI. And he comes up with the plan of, oh, I'm just going to drop some some photon torpedoes between these two. I'm going to shoot him with a phaser. It's going to create a shockwave and we'll be able to beat feet out of here. And they do it. They actually pull the maneuver and show the whole effect. And it looks very cool. And and indeed it works. And the doc is feeling himself real hard. Harry Kim is not enjoying riding bitch to the machine in the slightest. I'm always a sucker for those like top gun moments where it's, you know, kick on the brakes, turn backwards and shoot a guy or drop a mine and shoot it and create that implosion wave. Uh, those don't look like they are at least at this point in what this is 2000 or 2001. This is February uh, 28th, 2001. I don't think those are cheap CGI effects to pull off, but 
it's a tight space battle, man. It is. And then we we wrap up the 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 teaser, I guess, with Chicote going back to the bar. He's wounded. Janeway's like, hey, oh, you know, sorry, my boyfriend was you know super rude to you before. We we're celebrating, moving into each other. You want to come over? He's like, no, I have a gaping wound. I'm good. <laughs> and uh, then they they wrap that and, and go back to that scene after the teaser, uh, where we are introduced to Good Cop. Is, is the way to, I think, describe him. Yedrid is his name. Uh, and Detective he, Yedrid. He is good cop. He is uh, he is an, not only an effective crime solver in this episode, he is, you know... The, Lawful good. He is the kind of man who is attempting to do right by his profession. He is on the lookout, obviously, for uh, these weirdos who are kidnapping and, and shooting and killing cops and... <laughs> bad times so let me ask you this um chakotay's disguise that the doctor gave him is he one of the the bad jailbirds from uh, yeah yeah you brought that up last week yeah he looks like it he's the he's got the big uh things around his eyes so he's just like really furthering some bad Delta Quadrant stereotype. Yeah, yes, he decided to, for whatever reason, make himself look like a race that is over-policed and is, and is thought to be criminals and immediately committed several different felonies on on Workforce Planet. Yes, that is what happened. Sullying their name further. <laughs> I'm having a real hard time. I can't, I can't even describe the equivalent of what that would be for someone here without us getting canceled. That wasn't flesh and blood. What, what was the Space Texan episode called? The Space Texan episode. Oh, come on. It's not the Void. What Voyager was... needs to impress me enough for me to remember the goddamn episode titles, and it has not Repent- done that in some Repentance. time. Repentance. Right? Repentance. Okay, yeah, yeah. Repentance was hot button topic, woke for the year 2000 and year 2000, probably. I think that was still a December thing, right? That was very intentionally a political episode trying to stress a point which they completely fucking butcher in that episode with mixed messages right and after i edited by the way i i remembered um the the framing device because this would have been produced during you know like the summer of 2000 which was an election year when george w bush who was governor of texas and it was a big deal because he was overseeing so many executions that was the very special episode line that's why i think why it was in in the forefront of the political discussion back then. So in that episode, you took the people who are over-policed and over-prosecuted on very circumstantial flint, like the pity card they try to play, which is like, these dudes are getting shit on unfairly. The second half of the episode, you go, by the way, this guy that we've built all this sympathy for really is shitty, and let's let's muddy the message we're sending. And then four episodes later... You're going to drag those guys out to to attack an alien civilization and kill their police. Like, <laughs> guys, Fooler, uh, Kenneth Biller. What, what what are you guys doing here? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? What are, you, what are you trying to say? Because it's not good. Are you guys like mirror universe writers now? Do you all have standing collars and jackboots? What, what is this? <laughs> I will point out uh, this episode 
Uh, last one was Mike Vidra, I believe. This is Roxanne Dawson. It's her uh, second try in the uh, director's chair. And as we've noted, this that's actually what she ends up doing after mm-hmm. Voyager. She does not act very much anymore. She becomes full-time TV director. Yeah. So this is very importantly important to her uh, in terms of the development of her career that they let her have a second one. And she would go on to actually do episodes of Enterprise. So like a new career is birthed from this moment for her. So anyways, uh, Chakotay, who is wearing some very, uh, very questionable blackface here, is having a very bad day because not only, as you mentioned, has he been shot, but he also found out that his girlfriend has shacked up with another dude. His his wannabe girlfriend, his girlfriend in his mind. <laughs> and uh, he is they're moving in together. Good cop comes in. Tries to find Chicote. Tom's like, oh, he's right over there. And he's gone. You know, like, okay, he's escaped. Um, they cut back to Voyager briefly and introduce, like, the, oh, this is what's happening. with You know, like, the good guys are figuring out what's going on. And they've got Bolana, And they say, like, well, her memory engrams have been rewritten. The Doctor, of course, being the Doctor, is like, I can I can revive people who died at Space Spider Island. This is, this is nothing. I can fix this. But uh, I need you, Neelix because you're in this episode uh, to do the thing you're best at, which is remind people of their lives and kind of do the morale officer sentimentality thing. And he's like, I'm on the case. I know that's what I'm good at. And uh, they will have the, their separate little B plot, which I think got sequestered the way that it did because Roxanne Dawson is the director. Right. So she can't be in much of the episode because she's fucking doing all the other scenes. And uh, so, the, you know, they've got a couple quiet, you know, basically one on ones with her and Neelix that will be easier for her to manage. The number of times that Neelix has had to guide people in from amnesia now, I think, is a disturbingly high number. I think he has walked more people back into their previous lives than Tom has, like, successfully docked the ship with a space station and, and other, like, really mundane things. Yeah, I remember the simple Jack sessions with Tuvok. Among many others. Like, this is... He's he's not just the ambassador. He's like, uh, the, I don't know, the, the memory health. I'm trying to think what that medical term is. Yeah, there, there's a lot of amnesia on Voyager. They're very lucky to have someone as adept at uh, guiding people as he is. When we cut back to the planet, we are uh, seeing what we will call good doctor and bad doctor. Um, And this is kind of where it starts to become more clear that it's not that this planet or all the aliens on it are the bad guys. It's that it's a certain subsect of them uh, because you've got kind of the older doctor who's trying to treat Tuvok who went super duper crazy last episode. And uh, you know, he's like talking about his Katra and all that, like the, the brain rewiring isn't taking with him because he's a, he's a Vulcan. He's too neurologically complex. And the older doctor is clearly saying, Oh, he has this dysphagia syndrome, you know, and he's the expert while the younger doctor is like starting to ask more probing questions about it. And it's clearly not like not in on the brainwashing part of this. Like he thinks that they're like legitimately treating these people. And they, they, they set up that sort of, okay. So whatever's going on here. There are honest brokers, which is helpful because then that that leads into what we find out out about Good Cop. And like it provides a way for this episode to essentially have an off ramp, right? Like 
this is going to get solved somehow. And by setting up like that, it's a conspiracy. Now we know like the good guy aliens can uncover what the bad guy aliens are doing. Yeah. And that's kind of refreshing. I feel like it has been a very long time in Voyager since it has not been an entirely flat 2d villainous species. Like there's some good moral conflict and there's some good opportunity for the species to self police in the end and kind of redeem itself. And I think it's more of a real world scenario, although it does seem very sloppy for the lead doctor to not have uh, such a well-connected subordinate, not in on the plan. Although he is uh, the, the main doctor is extremely um, cocky and a bitch and uh, overconfident, which... Hey, he's a doctor. (laughs) I mean, I know some doctors, some very nice people, others, they're like this guy. Like, is this true? The point, like, later in the scene where the good doctor starts confronting with all the other stuff, like, the amount of stank that the bad doctor exudes with, like, eye rolls and stuff, really top shelf. I enjoyed their chemistry, and I thought all the doctor stuff was really solid in this. They spend a lot of time with them, too. Like, they they give the two of them a very critical scene where it's two guest actors acting against each other, which is rare. You know, like, they don't do that a lot. I, I would say the last time was um, Muse I, that I would remember off the top of my head where you really had this much uh, guest uh, guest on guest interactions. Next scene is Seven of Nine. Who's our other detective? <laughs> you know, detectives, not Tuvok. That is that is the theme of this episode. Uh, Seven starts to have flashbacks of her time not being on this planet because she got hit with the uh, mind meld by the very crazy Tuvok earlier and it's made her suspicious. Well, what is this? What's going on? Her flashbacks are of the Borg cube and we get a pretty nice slow panning shots. So many catwalks on these cubes. I'm sitting there and I'm wondering, like, I wonder with all the doodads that the Borgs get assimilated, if they get like a Fitbit step counters and what the average step count for a drone ends up looking like in a 24 hour, they got to be beaten 10,000 steps. Oh, right? no problem. Right. Yeah. 15,000 minimum. Also, as some fit drones, <laughs> I I would assume the Corns know what Borg are since they're a Delta species, Delta quadrant species. Like it doesn't scare the shit out of them to any degree whatsoever that uh, this lady is a, a former drone. I guess they're far away enough from Borg Spaceman that I don't even really know much about them, right? Like, or they're like, bonus, right? Like, this bitch is going to be awesome. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm reading over her memories here. She's got a lot of fond memories of engineering departments. Yeah, let's put her at the power plant. What's the worst that could happen? Smash cut to seven of nine shooting up the engineering <laughs> station in the power plant. And we almost did that. We very nearly did that. Instead, we, instead she decided to bust up a different scientific uh, area at the end of this episode mm-hmm. uh, after seven of nine kind of does some initial like what happened to Tuvok um, what happened to this person what happened to that person kind of investigating and the good cop shows up and starts asking questions uh, we finally go back to really the heart of the episode and that is Kathy Janeway living her best life right like her rom-com adventure she's having with her boyfriend where she's like moving in and they're having like a quirky conversation about her wanting to decorate the place with spent plasma relays. Trash. Janeway hoards trash. Yeah. She's, she's a hoarder. 
you know, she would be on a trashy, uh, you know, American uh, uh, reality show if we're the 20th century. Joe, I don't think we have a better place to discuss this, but I did want to mention something from the trauma support group that I saw uh, people bring up. In this episode specifically, they play what I feel is the overplayed trope that Janeway always burns the roast, right? Correct. They did that in the last episode. Yeah. Tying back in the last episode as well, there was another mention about Chakotay being a vegetarian. Uh, And if that's true, like Janeway inviting Chakotay over for dinner where she burns the roast, like what a dick move when your boss knows you're a vegetarian and then calls you over for like pot roast dinners. (laughs) That's true. I, I guess maybe like, does he not count it if it's like replicated meat? Like he's a vegetarian only if it was actually a live thing. I have spent so much time thinking about our replicator talk since then. Like, I don't want to drag us down back down the hole, but is there a, could, could you just like fake protein for the replicator stock or would the base always have to come back to like red meat, bloody. Oh, it would just have to be biomatter, right? Like the, the whole thing would just be, you'd have non edible matter and edible matter because the edible matter could be resequenced to be whatever you want molecule by molecule. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, I would presume they could do that. And that just like makes this me... is it is near magic science, right? Like that is what replicators are. So, yeah, of course they could. Again, I will restate. I think at that so point, it's, it's not uh... cheating if it's the replicator and mm-hmm. you're referring to your diet. He's vegan, not what's the other one that you can't wear leather. I, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not hip enough to know what the other one is. There's Whatever vegan. that is sounds really dumb. And that, that makes it true. <laughs> Uh, and when and the point of this scene being that Janeway, oh, I have to go get more of my stuff because we're quirky. She goes back to her apartment, and of course, Chicote is there holding a gun on her. And uh, you know, we start to have the dun dun dun. So this is a classic uh, entry a Voyager likes to play, and it's Chicote knows, but Janeway doesn't. And then there's Voyager conspiracy where they both know and don't know, and then like show up to a meeting to shoot each other. Remember that. Yeah, it's like a love triangle. It's knowing, not knowing, and gunfights and pulling guns. The the Chicote Janeway love triangle of confusion. Chicote starts to like lay out what's going on here, and this is where the episode starts to run into some problems for me. Is that they don't do a very good job of explaining why Janeway would like buy into the story that Chicote is telling her. I feel like if there was something from the doctor, some kind of communication of like either memory engrams have been rewritten, but you can start to like get them to remember by doing X, Y, or Z or something like that. Like where him, they reprogram like, a flashlight. So it strobes and it kind of fucks it up a little bit. Yeah. Like there needed to be a bridge between Chicote shows up there and starts kind of like giving her hints about what's going on and her just like starting to believe him. I think you're meant to think that like, she just, you know, th- that all of this is kind of imperfect because of the scenes that are going to happen between Neelix and Bolana, And so, like, her talking to him is starting to, like, get her to believe this because they know each other. I thought it was kind of, it's a cool scene. It's a cool, cool premise. Um, <clears throat> the lighting was interesting that they want to have this whole conversation and uh, and, and this this unveiling in the dark and 
Chakotay begins by laying out these breadcrumbs of like, here's the details about what's going on. My 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 crew is stuck here. My ship, this, that. He at no point is telling her that she's involved in this, but she's very interested. And then Voyager gets close enough that they're able to hit Chakotay's comm badge and he takes a call. This is perhaps the worst, one of the worst persuasive speeches I've seen since uh, Man of Steel, where General Zod like tries to sales pitch, high pressure sales pitch Superman on refounding Krypton on the skulls of his friends and family in this nuclear holocaust. Yeah, if you've if you've never seen Man of Steel, the Zack Snyder Man of Steel, which I think is an excellent movie that gets hampered by just a few very poor decision filmmaking decisions, uh, mostly in the third act. Uh, the one of them is that Zod apparently just doesn't know how to read the room, <laughs> and so he's like, "I'm gonna pitch the idea of rebuilding Krypton uh, in the." in the most honest and most uh, gruesome way possible <laughs> to really show I'm a bad guy. <laughs> uh, we could do a whole podcast. Maybe we should do that movie because I, I love to rant on that. I would uh, actually really like to talk. About, I would love to defend that movie against you. I, I feel like- I like the movie. I'm just saying that the, the whole fucking down point of, of that movie was him instead of being reasonable and just being like, hey, man, you know, you've got the key to us saving our entire civilization. And if you work with me, we can refound Krypton hand in hand with these humans and it'll be great. And also we'll all be born as fucking Superman under a yellow sun instead of like humans have to die and we are going to repopulate this earth uh, like a fucking like and literally them standing on a farm of skulls like Terminator Judgment Day. Ridiculous. Uh, so you didn't note. even try to lie. It's like, just lie. If he you didn't even lie. need to lie. I mean, yeah. All right. We're getting too sidetracked there. I also want to say real fast. I ended up watching way more of Looper than I meant to the other day. And <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good movie. It's just a fucking stupid premise that his wife got killed with a gun. Uh, <laughs> you know, I started to hate that movie more, you know, because of Ryan Johnson. So, you know, I'm coming over to your opinion on the matter. Oh, well, hey, look at that. Chakotay is like laying this groundwork. They hit him up. Uh, Voyager contacts him and then he just like looks at Janeway is like yeah well I'm here with the captain and just like drops all this shutter it's for being the person who is the most in touch with like emotional intelligence in the closest that Voyager has to a counselor this is some real butterfingers on Chakotay so he drops this is missing some indication from the doctor of like this is ha- like drop that on her like shocker system whatever like some explanation that this was the correct thing to do because otherwise it just seems kind of we didn't know Dick how else move. to do it yeah like you, we've been sitting in this room the whole time talking for like half an hour and you're gonna only bring up the fact that you know me and i have an alternate life and i'm living a lie right now while we're on the phone with your friends in a conference call like dick move so she uh throws her hands up and is like whoa yo no 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 i'm i'm out and she rightfully leaves very confused and probably scared and uh goes back to space mark so uh also kind of like in this part of the episode is when seven of nine starts to figure out more and more about like oh like tuvok was really interested in all of these employees including me everyone who started at the same day like she's putting all the pieces together right of like things are fucked this is not okay. And uh, also we get the scene in 
Balana's quarters with Neelix, where he's like starting to take her through her life. And they we have a hey, remember the episode where you made the television? Remember the episode a couple weeks ago when you got that Batleth? Wrong Batleth. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Was it a different Batleth? It's a standard like modern Batleth, not like that wicked Skyrim Druger black iron super pointy batleth that was hanging over a child's crib my favorite part of that scene was them looking at a picture of her and tom and sure being like what is this is this he's my husband how could this be and then neelix is like yeah uh, of course it's real how else how else could we have a picture of it and i'm like the idea of a picture being faked being (laughs) improbable by a warp capable society oh Late 90s, early 2000s, you and your pre-Photoshop. It's it wasn't even like they, they were doing photo manipulation in the 40s. I mean, like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, this is this wasn't even this was 60 year old technology when you made the fucking episode. They they cut back to the planet. Space Mark is like, uh, sounds like uh, some fucking bullshit, Kathy. Space like, Mark real quick being uh, what's his name? Joffron Jaffe. Yeah, he's Space Mark. I like Space Mark way more. I like Space Mark, too. I'm just making sure everybody's on uh, that Jaffin. This is uh, Janeway's hot and heavy new romantic friend. And we say Space Mark because Mark being Janeway's original fiance basically looks exactly like this guy. Yeah. You know, kind of an older guy like gray hair you know like this is similar look we were we as we noted Janeway has a type this guy is his her type hey works that's great but you know he's very supportive right he, he thinks this is crazy but you know he's not trying to like fuck her over uh but at the same time eventually does convince her to like you need to call security this is just let's go this is not good uh, Janeway instead decides to go back and talk to Chakotay a little bit more it's in this scene that uh, Chicote goes to finally prove things to her and gets the dermal regenerator that he convinced her to steal from work so that he could uh, heal the wound up on his shoulder. And he melts off the prosthetics and reveals that he's a human, just like Janeway. I thought it was interesting that the dermal regenerator will get rid of uh, plastic surgery, but not his sick face tattoos. <laughs> Well, you know, one of those is a character trait. Doesn't get rid of those. Uh, the the good cop busts in, arrests Chicote. They take him back to the precinct, and that's when you start to really understand things are fucky because he's questioning him. Uh, and that's when the feds show up, like the CIA, and they're like, "Yeah, we're taking this guy away." And he's like, "No, no, no, you don't." He's like, "He's a, he's a witness in a kidnapping. You killed a cop earlier, <laughs> like." He's he's got he's did crimes. He did crimes. They're like, nope, Section 7 needs him. Sorry. Up to this point, good cop hasn't really been clearly white hat good cop. He's, right. just, he's been, just been doing his job, right? Which has seemed a little a little fascist. You know, they're they're making him seem like maybe this guy's a a dick, but th- this is where he gets uh his eyes opened and uh push to the outside uh, and we'll end up befriending the rest of the refugees stranded on the planet. Uh, we get a little bit more like uh, Chicote makes a lot of pancakes. Apparently she's a big fan of the pancakes. Oh, Neelix. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we also find she... out that Balana is just reading Tom's private logs. I'm, I'm going to air quote private. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
little uh, little bit of light, you know, privacy violations happening here to uh, convince her that, you know, the two of them are in love, I guess. Good thing you didn't write, like, hey, my fucking wife's a bitch in there. <laughs> like, glad they were glowing, man. You know, for a TV show that is going to act like uh, Photoshop didn't exist, I like that they were able to see into the future and uh, realize the everyday um, betrayal of trust that is reading your wife or husband's text messages. Yeah, but, you know, for good, right? <laughs> for, for good reasons. You know, you got amnesia. So we jump over and finally things really start moving into high gear here. Um the it's not just the inspector who has been kicked to the outside a uh, good doctor is finally pried enough into this stuff he gets a little visit by seven of nine who comes in pumps him for some questions says she wants to talk to bad doctor uh and while good doctor is out she hacks the medical logs and this is where it's, she pulls- it's worth pointing out that she does that after having a conversation with good cop they're, they do have a, a nice bit of setup and a little actual interaction between Good Cop and Seven of Nine, where Seven of Nine is figuring out fucky shit, shit is happening. Yedrid, the Good Cop, is figuring out fucky shit is happening. And then they have like a quiet meeting in, a, in the in a fucking cafeteria somewhere. And it's like, I think we both know this is not good. And uh, Good Cop's like, yeah, I got like taken off the case and I'm like suspended and just for like being next to whatever this is it's not good he needs to be like talked into helping a little bit you know he's definitely a white hat but like seven of nines like what are you a pussy <laughs> like she just she really pushes him to help and he he goes i might not it. remember my previous life but i do know i'm very good at talking down to positions of authority and emasculating people into getting my way so um she tells him that he has a little peepee and that uh, his mom is fat and he cries a little bit and then uh, grows a pair and decides that he's going to help her uh, uncover the truth. And that's what leads to the scene where Seven goes and and basically rinses the young doctor's trust to break into the medical computer and find out what the fuck is going on. So like you said, she's able to uncover a bunch of stuff and in the process, the good doctor looking over what she's the information she's stolen sees uh the conspiracy as well this goofy mental condition that is extremely rare that the bad doctor has now um played twice he sees that there's you know 130 or whatever voyager's crew complement is this episode all submitted on the same day all through the same program all of them ending up at the same power plant uh i want to jump back to our conversation earlier last episode about you know, for it being a three-day travel for Voyager at max warp, uh, at what point all of this memory rewrite happens? I think, I think we have to assume that all these guys were in fact dropped on the surface and then processed through the hospital. That that those memory rewrites did not happen in transit. Good doctor takes all this information and kind of starts going and and questioning bad doctor, who does not fight things very long before he finally you know pulls back the con- the curtain and, and reveals his evil you know, i guess his capitalistic uh plans that he and the chief inspector and the minister of labor and uh howdy duty are all in on this conspiracy you might even say there's a deep state a deep state conspiracy mm, look at that 
I like the line in this episode where he's like, uh, you know, the real public health threat is the labor shortage. And, you know, the ends justify them and all that. And I'm like, oh, man, you're really ringing my bell, doctor. <laughs> You look at your empty warehouse like, yep, <laughs> like that is yeah. true. And I need to get some indoctrinated. Do you ever play uh, Syndicate Wars? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's 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 the vibe I'm getting off of this. I would just would go down walking down the street with the Persuadatron and just indoctrinate all the civilians so they become a big angry mob and help me kill the enemy factions. That's that's what that's all this doctor is doing here. Just some good old bullfrog fun. Meanwhile. A uh, good cop goes back to talk to Janeway and Space Mark and is like, yeah, it turns out this guy was telling the truth about this stuff because we found all kinds of fucky shit out. And uh, they go to reliable uh, known convict space space uh, prison breaker outer extraordinaire Tom Paris hide out at his bar <laughs> and decide to have basically a group conference about what's going on. After I want to draw happened. parallels to one of the previous entries into the Voyager crew is living a different life, which was worst world, which the rebel uh, cell operated out of a bar just the same way. Like in a lot of ways, man, this is just a rewrite of the fantasy in killing game. They have the conversation at the bar and space Mark, you know, is told, you know, you apparently not involved in whatever is going on with the rest of us. Apparently this was a few weeks ago, so on and so forth, but we've put together too many problematic pieces for this not to possibly be as true as we are being told it's true. So what are we going to do? Janeway remembers the exact line of technobabble that Chakotay, that I guess Harry Kim mentioned on the comlink and says, oh yeah, they were using a trilaxing frequency and a covariant subspace band to contact Voyager and they come to the conclusion. There is a subspace transceiver in the power plant. that's going to go to the power plant and use it to contact Voyager and find out a way to solve this problem. Meanwhile, bad doctor is using Chakotay having been indoctrinated with fake memories to bring Voyager into a trap so they can finish the job and cover up their crime. So there is a ticking clock element that, Vo- that Voyager is about to show up. And they're going to fall into a trap. And so whatever they're about to do on the surface, they got to go do. The big question mark for me in this is space mark. What is going to happen to space mark? I got my notes, man. I hope they don't kill Janeway's boyfriend. I've kind of grown fond of this guy. My money is on him turning into some sort of Benedict Arnold. Him ultimately being unwilling to let Janeway run off to this other world. He wants to keep her. Uh, blue pilled in the fantasy and his life happy, but but I don't know. Something's gonna have to happen. They end up going to the power plant, which luckily for them, this big, super important power plant that's powering the the city that's short on labor and everything, uh, only runs two shifts. You don't need a third shift. <laughs> Apparently, they just love to work so much. Just run that twelve hour shift back and forth. Mm-hmm. You just you turn the lights off and there's no night crew. The janitor comes in and mops the floor. There's nobody else there to take care of this place. So they get free run of the building. Uh, Janeway gets in with uh, space mark. She starts punching some stuff into the computer. Uh, mysteriously, the alarms go off and I'm like, oh, space mark. You set her up, you jerk. And, and then vanishes from the catwalk. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, he did it. 
Uh, they cut to the hospital where uh, Good Cop and Seven of Nine have headed, and apparently uh, Bad Doctor was prepared for many eventualities, but not Good Cop pointing a gun at him, and then, of course, the most powerful weapon of all being grabbed on his arm. That is that is ultimately what subdues Bad Doctor, is that Seven of Nine just pops up, just grabs him by the arm and be like, I can just rip this out and beat you to death with it. Like, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, let's... I have I have now been victimized by this paralyzing grasp several times, and I am a master. I've assimilated the technology of grabbing a bitch by the arm, and you, sir, are a bitch, and I have grabbed you by the arm. So you, he's, he was like, he might have escaped from the space clock, but not at all from being grabbed on the arm. <laughs> that is too <laughs> potent a, a fucking technique. <laughs> and uh, so they have like unlimited success. They like break into the back where all of the the bad juju is happening they find tuvok they find chicote they find good doctor good doctors had his memories rewritten because apparently he didn't go for being part of the of the conspiracy new world order it's real bad back there (laughs) it's a real horror show and uh at, at the power plant you know janeway's like i'm gonna run this way oh no it's the police i want to run this way oh no it's the police I'm going to look over the railing. I'm going to jump down. There's some real vibes of uh, 1989 Batman access, access chemical plant chase here. When she hits the ground. Oh, no, more cops. But that that is when Space Mark shows up and judo chops someone and shoots someone else and then shoots another guy. And he's like, hey, babe, I wouldn't have left you hanging. I just, I just came in at the appropriate dramatic moment. <laughs> I was excited to see Space Mark and I was excited to see Space Mark beat some ass like. Yeah, yeah. He throws down. He like takes three dudes out. He was useful. I don't know what his previous life was before coming to work in a power plant, but I can only assume that uh, involved a stint in professional wrestling. They ultimately. uh, So the ship gets stuck in the trap. We finish up our D plot of like the doctor being the best captain ever and he can't think on his feet. That is the issue. He's like stuck with only the book learning techniques. And so Harry comes up with a plan to slip the the trap of ejecting the remaining uh, escape pods to make it look like everyone but the doctors left while shielding their life signs uh, in the conference room. Uh, But surprise, those escape pods had torpedoes <laughs> and they explode so it's a very similar trick to the one they used before but different and in a novel way and i liked it i enjoyed kim and uh the doctor's little interplay in that scene it's one of the rare moments uh anymore where harry kim does not instantly disgust me and piss me off with garrett wang who subsequently has driven me away from delta flyers but that's yeah ooh, i'm i'm surprised you lasted as long as you did that guy was just cancer from the moment i started listening to that show until i stopped rough uh so they get things kind of sorted out up there and we very quickly um tidy things up down on the surface despite the fact that the chief of police and uh howdy duty and the head doctor and a couple other government officials seem to be in on it uh good cop manages to i don't know get the president Hey, listen, we all know that space presidents are very easy to get a hold of. You can just beam into their office with guns. That's we true. Learned, we learned that a long time ago. Well, you know, they're having a labor shortage, so it's entirely possible the space president may have been like out doing a trash route or uh, <laughs> yeah. driving a school bus or something. So maybe it's like he's the, raising, he's... Can, it's the Raisin Cane employees are all working in stores right now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so they start wrapping things up. Uh, guys come back up on the ship. There's a real bullshit scene, one of the most unbelievable scenes of all of Voyager, and it's Tom sitting there eating popcorn, watching some old black and white cartoons, laughing like he's watching an Eddie Murphy comedy special. I don't think I've seen anybody ever laugh at cartoons, but there Tom is. He just had a little bit too much uh, space Prozac, I think. <laughs> they, they, they're trying to get his dose back, right? You know, everyone's mm-hmm. kind of loopy. Uh, the, the worst scene of all time, uh, to me, is what ends this episode. And that is the, the fate of Space Mark. The, the you absolute, go first. You go yeah, first. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm glad that we can both spend, we can spend some time here. Space Mark was a total bro through both of the two parters. He's good boyfriend. All he did all the good boyfriend things. He's he's Kathy's type. All of that. But he's like he's a good engineer, right? He's good at his job. He's friendly. He makes friend. He was happily threw down with a wild conspiracy with a bunch of people he didn't know because he was obviously very much liked Kathy. He's useful in a fight. Took out like three dudes. He's clearly better than. All of the security guards on Voyager on that basis Loyal alone. to the point he was willing to get involved in a very clear treason in attacking a power plant after hours. Yeah, like, this dude was ride or die immediately with the heroes and was effective both on a technological level and an actual, like, you know, fist-to-nose level, Okay. This guy is solid gold. Oh, and, and, he, and as they establish, he really just came there for work. So he's just looking for a job, right? Like he's available, right? Joe, he just doesn't have ties. I'm getting I'm getting physically mad as you're talking. Yes. Well, I mean, I think we need to like really, we need to, we need a catalog that they set up space mark as being awesome, right? And that there's no reason that the story is provided before the scene that space mark couldn't just come with them. He is perfectly positioned both in personality, capability, and lack of su- of substantive ties that he actually could just join Voyager and go wherever they're going and be very fulfilled by that, right? Regardless of his relationship with the captain. That's just a bonus. And he comes into the scene and, you know, he conveys like, oh, my memories weren't real. I apparently just came here for work. Um, and uh, they, like... You know, it's like, it could work for you, but I can't because, you know, you're the captain. So clearly you can't have a boyfriend. Not and even just... that, dude. He he doesn't say any of that. He says uh, they put Howdy Doody in jail for kidnapping people and I got a promotion at work. And then it goes over to Janeway, who's wringing her hands and all like, oh, God, I wish I wish I could just bring you with me. But. I can't fraternize with the crew because that's my own made up bullshit code. There was Picard literally totally there's literally an episode of of TNG where Picard gets a girlfriend, dates one of his subordinates. It was like the very uh, Mrs. Robinson looking lady, okay, Commander Mrs. Robinson. Like they're like both into music. They like do the little concert in the Jeffrey's tube and then like make out. Um, he's like super broy with Riker at one point because he's getting laid, you know. Like there's a he whole sends epi- her to her death, or yeah. thought she would get sent to her death, and it causes mixed feelings. And he finally he decides he, 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 he he's cool with still dating her, but she's the one who's like, yeah, you sent me to my death. I'm out of here. <laughs> like, but nothing. There was nothing against regulations. 
he's allowed to have a, a, a girlfriend. Janeway's be, allowed to have a girl, a boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, it's 24th century. But like, it's, it, there's, this, this thing she makes up as the reason is not actually a reason. There's no waste, rule that says she has to do this. Waste of everybody's fucking time. Okay. Two part episode. You've got an okay alternate life jailbreak uh, kidnapping episode, which could have been one 45 minute episode. You have this massive B plot, which is basically a co a plot of Janeway finally gets a boyfriend. And it's so important that you make a two part episode. So you can have this fucking thing running parallel. Yet you hit a grand slam on the first episode where you've got immediate, viable chemistry between space mark and janeway and you can you spend 40 you spend almost an entire episode of just having these guys have a lovey-dovey romance and this guy is a fucking mvp for what you get to the end three minutes of the episode and you manufacture this horseshit reason why you can't bring this guy along what the fuck was the point of any of this all right either incorporate him into the crew and create a conflict for Jane. A, just give Janeway a fucking boyfriend that lives in her, her thing, right? We're in episode 17. How yeah. many more episodes do we have? We to don't go? have much more of the show. Hire the guy for like two more episodes that he'd be in, right? And be you like, kill him off and it could be like traumatic. He could just be in the background. Like when's the last time we saw Echeb and he's a big fucking deal, right? Yeah. You don't see half the crew members on Voyager on a regular basis. You barely even see Neelix. This guy could have been there in the background. You could have killed him off next episode when the fucking, you know, the next time Seska pops her head up or, or whatever. And you could have a, a meaningful death, uh, which Voyager hates having. You know, they just make up fake bullshit crew members to kill off like we're supposed to care about them. Or if you're going to have this scene where, God, you know what? I love you. You love me. We could be together, but it's just not in the cards. Have him be a look. You know, I'd love to go, but I got family here. My mom's sick and she doesn't have much time yeah. before she's dead. I, I can't go with you. I don't want to go to Earth. Uh, there's some yeah. reason that I have to stay here. Not, oh, I'd love to bring you along, but I can't fraternize with the crew and shucks. Yeah, it's the worst possible reason. The, the it, I would have been fine with, hey, my memories got effed with too. Turns out I like have family on another planet. That you can't delete Janeway. Something like that. Or some it, kind of reason why he can't go with them. I would have been happy to accept. But they go out of their way to show. Like they use this scene to be like, no, that, that's not it. That's not actually it. We're, we're just not going to be together because you just don't want to be. You could have had Janeway say, you know what? I'd like to bring you on the ship, but I think my holographic boyfriend would get jealous or I wouldn't feel comfortable. That something that silly would have been better than this. I cannot think of any way to make this any stupider or or worse of a conclusion to a two episode plot arc than what we got. And for that reason, it makes this entire fucking thing a waste of time and just pisses me off. This is a real bed shitting. It is. And that's why what I said at the beginning of like, I want to give this episode a discommendation because it's actually pretty good. Up until this scene. And then this scene is just awful. It's just, just cat. They just like walked it in, you know, like they just couldn't, they all, could, they couldn't all do of it. the bad romances we've been subjected to, uh, Tuvok and tank girl, uh, you know, the many brides of Harry Kim. 
Uh, Chakotay and the girlfriend he couldn't remember, played by Virginia Madsen. <laughs> you know, you name it. There has been, and you know, some of the romances have been pretty cool. Like I like Chakotay's bored girlfriend, um, but all of the the shitty romances that have been paraded in front of us, and then finally you find one that clicks. You close the episode off on the. Gosh, you know, season seven's been pretty decent. I think this is probably, as it stands right now, going to be my weakest shit award. Which feels like a real waste hmm. for Star Trek that I'm wasting a weakest shit award on. Uh, We've had on... such weaker shit. So, like, I agree. This is probably my front runner as well for weakest shit of season seven so far. Well, I think I think we got enough turds coming up that you might change your mind on that. Um, but I'm yeah, mad. Yeah, I'd never thought I'd get so mad about a fucking love subplot. <laughs> yeah, or Janeway's love subplot. But here we are. Ugh. Here we are. Ugh. Yeah, whatever they start going home, and at that point, I didn't fucking care. So, what are we watching next week? <laughs> uh, season seven, episode eighteen, Human Air, and there is uh, seven and nine looking real smug in the Tuvix Memorial Death Cove. Seven's attempt to explore her human side distracts her from her duties and puts Voyager at risk. This sounds like a real data episode. Yeah, this is uh pre- pre- prefaces the worst subplot of season seven. Uh, you already know what it is because I think uh it's like a meme in its own right. Uh, but we'll we'll still explore it fresh. Uh, when we get there next week, yeah, this this one not great. Uh, the one after that is Q two, which is just gonna kick you right in the balls. Um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, we we do trend back up for the rest of the show though after that i hope so speaking of trending uh well maybe we'll see i don't know i've been catching up on my uh, lower decks and uh there's been some pretty good entries towards the back half of the season i got one more to go maybe we'll talk uh we'll do a little recap on that in the next uh next few yeah, i gotta actually we- ca- i stopped watching after episode three because i Stopped hearing good things. Um, not not sure what your take has been, but I kind of felt a little uh, disengaged from the process. Yeah, that's why it took me so long to catch up on these past few. But like I said, I, the the last the the last two before, so the last three. I'm in the last three, and uh, they've gotten they've gotten good. But we'll see. All right, man. I I got a headache from all my yelling. <laughs> Fucking space. <man. laughs> All right. Let's talk to everybody later. Thanks for listening to VG. Please hate the Voyage of the Delta Quadrant. We'll see you next week.